0: I think there's also a watering can or something I made that might I'd still be out there, there at a Other than that, all right. Uh, welcome back, News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. You can email Pete at the Uh Oh, and I actually have this from Joseph, uh, who says, "Pete, at this point, they don't care if you know it's all true about Hunter. In fact, they like it. They want you to know it's true, and that you're not going to do anything about it because the institutional bureaucracy is on their side, and they can steal any election they need to." I hate to hear people call in and talk about the Constitution or rule of law. We're past that now. Those antiquated norms and ideas don't matter anymore. We're in banana republic territory. Well, this is, look, this has always been the, um, this has always been the concern that I have had when people on the left keep pushing and, and you know, moving us away from the norms um, and I keep I keep telling them, you're not going to like it when people on the right abandon those norms and join you and adopt your standards. And the more people who express, like Joseph just did, the more people who express a willingness to abandon those norms and to join the enemy, the opponents on the battlefield that they are already occupying, then... Um, then what are you actually fighting for that well, we'll return to those norms after we're done that's the idea right like that would be the the argument and this gets to the you know the axiom of you know beware when fighting monsters that you don't become one yourself and if you have to be the monster to beat the monster then does that create just a world of lots of monsters right i mean that's and maybe I'm just an optimist or maybe I'm naive. I don't know. Um I I, I don't feel like I, I I'm I'm not at that point yet. And I understand, like if you watch enough uh uh Walking Dead, I guess you realize, you know, people have to make these terrible decisions when everything goes sideways, you know. These post apocalyptic uh types of worlds that people create in uh movies and TV and the like. I understand. Um but I also I don't think we're I don't know. Again, maybe I'm naive. I don't think we're at that point yet, because God help us if we are. Seriously. Like a lot of people, and I've said this for years, there are a lot of people that are rooting on revolution from both sides. And um there's what I believe to be a naive belief that the violence and the tragedy will never affect them. That this will be like, oh no, yeah, we're just, you know. It's time to, you know, to fight back and do all of this stuff and, you know, abandon it all. And like, and I understand where that comes from, and I understand that frustration, but I'm not sure people really think through what that means. I mean, you're, you're probably going to die, right? Like, if that's, the way, if that's how this all starts shaking down, like, you're going to die, I'm going to die, like, a lot of people are going to die real terrible types of abuse is going to occur, not just here, but all over the planet. Like it's going to be the complete collapse. And like, unless, and and if that's the case, how much food do you have stored? Like seriously, like if you go down that path and if this is what you are welcoming and there are people who welcome this and then there are people who are like, well, I don't want to see it happen, but I just think, you know, that's where it's going to go. Like, okay, well, how much food do you have stored? How much water generation are you able to, uh, to do? And then are you able to defend it all? Do you have a bunker? How much land do you have? Are you raising crops and, and uh, livestock? These are the questions you should be asking yourself and you should be answering if you really believe this is where we are. Otherwise, I mean, you're just, what, like sitting there watching the nuke go off. Like, oh, look at that. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I <clears throat> So I just, like, I, and again, maybe I'm naive. Maybe I'm... Uh, uh, too optimistic. I'm Pollyanna on this. There was a guy, I used to call him, he used to call into the program up in Asheville. It was Tinfoil Tom, I called him, and he called me Pollyanna Pete. Because to him, we were on the brink of it all the time. For the entire eight years I was there, we were like, tomorrow it was going to happen. You know? Tomorrow we were going to be using our gold and silver coins to purchase bread. You know? Like, it was tomorrow. It was going to happen. And uh, and then it, and it hasn't. Now, that's not to say I haven't, I've taken preparations. Everyone should, by the way. Even GovCo tells you to do that. FEMA, they got a whole book that says how to be prepared. Everybody should be prepared for emergencies. I know I'm on a tangent here, but everyone should be prepared for two weeks. You should not count on the government to save you in an emergency. And if Hurricane Hugo taught us anything in the Charlotte region all those years ago, it was that they're not going to be able to get to you for quite a while. If trees go down, like that, this is for natural disasters, but also man-made ones. Right? Uh, you should be prepared for natural disasters and to be ready to be self-sufficient for two weeks minimum. And that's not like, oh, Pete the Prepper, like, I'm, I'm not a prepper, but I'm telling you, you should be prepared. The government says you should be prepared. Start with three days start with a three-day supply and then build on that a little bit here and there as you can and you know over time you will you know amass an entire stockpile <laughs> which by the way then you know people start targeting you that's what will happen if again if everything goes sideways then uh yeah then people start targeting you and you're gonna have to be able to defend it so th- yeah like that's this is a terrible scenario go um there's a there's an author Dr. Bill Forstchen, he's a history professor up at Montreat College. He wrote a series of books. The first was called One Second After, and uh, had him. I used to interview him regularly. Had him fill in for me, and uh, maybe at some point I'll bring him down and get him on the show here. Uh, but it was about it, it was a post-apocalyptic tale told uh, about uh, uh, Black Mountain in uh, Buncombe County in the mountains there. And what happened after an EMP got detonated over the East Coast. And the information he uses came out of a congressional report where they did all these projections and all this other stuff. But nobody paid any attention to the report when it came out because right down the hall, they were releasing the 9-11 commission report. And that's what got all the coverage. So he took this book and turned it into a fictional novel. And then he did another two novels uh, after that. So it's a it's a trilogy. But the best book is the first one, I think he, I think he would e- uh, even say that. Uh, Kathy, let me get Kathy on here. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to the show. What's going on?
1: Hey, Pete. I just wanted to thank you. Several weeks ago, you prayed for my daughter on air. She was yeah. Ashley, and very hysterical about everything, especially COVID, and she was going to die. Well, <clears throat> prayers really work. She is now calm. Wow. And even even may come to South Carolina to live. So what? um I, I feel like that is uh what? you know, key to everything right now is a lot of prayer. So
0: Good for her. You know, Good for you. And I'm sure you're happy about that. Um
1: Yeah. It's it's a different daughter I want to tell you. She hasn't become conservative by any means, <laughs> but at least she's not out of her mind.
0: Yeah, cuz she was terrified of yes. of covid yeah and and it's one of the it, this has been one of the the biggest challenges i think there are a lot of people friends of ours family members who are uh politically on the left but it's really and i don't know if that drives the if it drives the anxiety or the anxiety is just uh if there's some correlation there or not i don't know it's just it tends to be more prevalent among people on the left and there's, you know there are ways to reach people. are you sure she's not on like some new meds or something though no, I'm kidding no. I'm
1: kidding <laughs> no she she isn't on any meds, but it seems like everyone that is left needs to be from what I can tell <laughs> it's just uh, crazy i uh, I asked a lady today I said H- uh, how do you how do you like our president She goes, oh, I love him and she goes, but I hated the other guy I said why she goes he's he's a liar mm. and I said Joe Biden at the very least, as a plagiarist. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Yeah, and I a say plagiarist, is, yeah. The, so it, it's a, you know, we're from Delaware. In fact, my husband developed the nitrile gloves. So um, I wish our daughter, you know, would really listen to the science since her father is a scientist. Well, but, um, baby
0: steps, you know, baby steps. You got her to South Carolina. Kathy, I appreciate the call. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you very much for the update. That's very kind of you. All right, you can email me Pete at the com, and uh, here's a uh here's a message from Jim. Hello Pete, I really enjoy your show. Have for a while now. Do you really believe there was no fraud with the Arizona elections audit? Um so Jim, if you uh get the podcast, listen to yesterday's show. I spent Virtually the entire well no, not the whole three hours, Ryan. Two hours and 45 minutes. Right. Two hours and 45 minutes. the last segment I talked about the city council, right? Um, but yeah, so the rest of the show, though, from noon all the way through the uh, most of the third hour, uh, I, I went over the audit results. So uh, and if you need so how you get the podcast is pretty simple. You go to your favorite podcasting platform, whatever that might be, whether it's like Google, it's uh, iTunes or Stitcher or Deezer or Podbean or whatever. They got all sorts of platforms. And uh, the easiest way, honestly, is uh, you can go to WBT.com. There's a drop down menu. You can do it that way. Or you can go to the Pete Show.com. There's a big fat subscribe button right there. You just click on that thing and, and then you got all the platforms. And you just pick one. There's no benefit, by the way, like one over the other, like, I don't get any extra money. I don't get any money, but like, I don't get anything for like presence on one platform, whether you're listening or whatever. And then it just comes to your smartphone every single day. It's super easy. It just shows up every single day. You listen and your life is better. Um, I mean, I don't want to oversell it, but like everyone's lives, they get better when they listen to the show. So um, I went over all of the Arizona election audit stuff yesterday. Do I really, do I really believe there was no fraud in the Arizona election no, of course not, because I believe there's fraud committed in every election. It's just the numbers. I mean, seriously, you can't, like, look at North Carolina, right? You got 10 and a half million people, um, but you got, uh, what is it, like five and a half million registered voters, something like that? You can't have millions and millions and millions of votes every single election cycle and not have some bit of fraud. There's always going to be fraud. So you try to do what you can to minimize it. Now, as far as like all of the particular allegations, because Jim goes on to say, I'm seeing info was wiped from routers, which I covered yesterday. That in itself should be fraud. No, not necessarily. Because the elections people say that all that stuff was backed up. It's all it. It wasn't purged. It wasn't deleted. It was removed from the place where the auditors went to look for it. And because the Senate didn't subpoena this particular chunk of information, They didn't have access to it, but it it does exist. It wasn't purged. So they say, now this stuff got referred to the attorney general. So we'll see what happens there. Once again, like I'm, I am open to being persuaded. So let me see what that investigation turns up. Um, Jim says also is WBT's WBT radio's text line the same for each of you. Or are there separate numbers? I can't seem to find what they are. There's only one text line, and that is for Vince. He's special. We. I know he is. Uh, but no, we, we don't. Uh, he's got the text line, and I think that's... Uh, is that out of the station? Or it's, it's connected to the station in Greenville, I believe. Right, W R D. So I think that's why that, that is the case. So no, I don't have access to the text. But you can email Pete at the Pete Show dot com, or you can get me on the Twitter machine and uh oh here you go look at this mass ts from sc just responded to the uh just responded to so uh ryan so like here you go perfect example of the podcast uh so after the first hour of the show ryan puts it together he uploads it as a podcast cuts out the commercial breaks puts it up as a podcast and now you can listen to it, and it's right there. He tweets it out, and we got a response already. So you got to—do you, do you feel like—I don't know, Ryan, like you're empowered here. You're, like, making an impact now. You got a, I feel re- I feel validated. Validated that you got a reply. Yes. Right. And you know what the reply said? Have, have you seen it? Yeah, I have seen it. The minute I saw where it said, like, the show replies or whatever, <laughs> I just assumed that it was just a person that has an egg as a Twitter profile. Page. No, not an egg. It, not an egg. Let's see. Mass TS from SC— I don't know, but it's a big picture of a puppet face. <laughs> it's a puppet. It's one of those creepy puppets. Um, and then the it's Shayla S47512434. Is that their phone number? 475... No, it's too many digits. Okay. Their bio reads, Antifa, transsexual, beautiful, diverse American... From the foothills of Appalachia, now Boston, via Columbia, South Carolina, very mouthy. (laughs) And this person responded to uh, your tweet of the podcast saying, where's the outrage over Hunter Biden's business ventures in China? The same that existed with Donald Trump's accused interest in Russia. And this person from South Carolina, but now in Boston, says... You know, Hunter is not the president. Bless your heart. I think they, I think this person believes that that was a takedown of some kind. Right. I think they think they made a point. They they feel validated on their on their end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They totally nailed us on this one. Oh my gosh! Hunter Biden isn't the president. What? (laughs) I am so schooled right now. Oh my gosh. you know how Hunter is not the president? I do know that. In fact, if you listen to the link that you're responding to, I make it very clear. Correct. So you have to listen. Right. Well, I mean, that's like reading the article. That's I don't want to read the article. I just want to comment. Well, just like, let me comment on the article. I was going to say, now the thing on Twitter where like you've you got to retweet something and it says, do you want to read the article no! first? No. <laughs> no, I'm an American. I don't need to read the article before I comment. I have a hot take. I need to make it. Much like when a democrat becomes president and all of a sudden we get the uh, the think pieces from the media about how maybe we're just ungovernable, you know. But when, you know, republicans are in control then it's we're fighting, you know, to to obstruct and we're well, they don't say obstruct. Republicans obstruct. We're fighting a you know, resistance. That's we don't want them to get away with, you know, transforming all of these things. And so we're going to block them from doing this stuff. Then it's OK. But when Republicans do the same thing, they're obstructionists. And then it's like, maybe we just can't govern. Like, it's just impossible. Nobody could do this. If Obama can't do it, nobody can. Right. Like, that's kind of this vein that this story at The Washington Post by Robert Barnes and Sung Min Kim, uh, right, called Supreme Court observers see trouble ahead as public approval of justices erodes. The Supreme Court's approval rating is plummeting. Its critics are more caustic, and justices are feeling compelled to plead the case to the public that they are judicial philosophers, not politicians in robes. See, like, all of a sudden, now that there is a 5-4, more conservative block on the court, I didn't say conservative, I said more conservative, because you never do know with John Roberts, and to a lesser extent, Kavanaugh, you just don't know with Roberts, he's all over the map um and maybe he's trying to be the anthony kennedy here you know the most important vote the swing vote and all this uh but now all of a sudden the left is very very concerned they're very upset about what the court is doing because when they ran the show then it was all just like this well you can't you 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 can't doubt the legitimacy of these decisions and the court i mean these are these are lawyers that have been wearing black robes for a very very long time They're very, very smart. And yes, I mean, they they advance the nation and our society forward in ways that legislatures don't. But now all of a sudden you're in charge of the court? No, 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 no. This is not acceptable. Now we don't have any confidence in the court. It's just like everything else with the left. It's flipping over the board. When they don't win by the rules of the game, they flip the board over, right? So the court is getting ready on October 4th. Uh, To open up its next term, and this is, according to the Washington Post piece, one of the most potentially divisive terms in years. Docketed cases concern gun control, separation of church and state, and the biggest showdown in decades on the future of Roe v. Wade and the constitutional right to an abortion. Meanwhile, a presidential commission studying the court is being bombarded with criticism from the left and occasionally the right that the justices are too political, too powerful, and serve for too long. See, all of a sudden, this is why the left is now interested in blowing up the court, right? Because when the court was doing what they wanted it to do, it was fine. But when the court ceased to be the supra, super legislative body, well, now we need to pack it with more people. But don't call it packing. Packing is what the Republicans did when they merely filled vacancies, which, by the way, is not packing. It's simply filling vacancies. There's actually a term for what the Republicans did, and that is called filling vacancies. Like, that's the term. We fill the vacancies. When a seat is open, you fill a vacancy. When you expand the court by adding a bunch of seats so you can then take over the court, that's called packing the court. It goes back to the FDR days when he did it to get Social Security approved and all of the other socialism and progressive policies that we are now Uh, forced to live with um thank you fdr for that uh and thank you the court for caving to the threat that he would pack the court and that's what they're doing now i mean like democrats are going to democrat i I don't understand like people who are surprised by this stuff it's not surprising it's just now they're 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 out in the open which is kind of nice that's one of the things that trump Really did well, which was to smoke them out, right? All of a sudden, like you start seeing all these people, and they're on the right. You got the people who are writing it over at Bulwark and uh, and the Dispatch, and right, like you got the people who went, you know, full on Never Trump derangement syndrome kind of stuff. And uh, you know, now you can see every you see who you're around. And by the way, I also have noticed people that I thought were of a liberty mindset and have turned out not to be, right? They are more of a I-want-to-be-in-charge mindset. And liberty was the argument I was using to advance my interests, but now they actually aren't pro-liberty at all. So, um, meanwhile, a presidential commission that's looking uh, at the court, this is the court-packing commission, they're getting criticized from the left, a little bit from the right, but mostly from the left. And this is a new position. See, this is why the article is written, is because we we, we don't know what to do. Like, the left is now attacking the Supreme Court, They're trying to build momentum to pack the court, blow up the filibuster, to fundamentally transform, to borrow a phrase from former President Obama's campaign, to fundamentally transform America. This is how they intend to do it. Make us more in line with a, quote, pure democracy. Right. Which is four wolves and a lamb voting on dinner. That's a democracy. Good if you're the wolf. You eat, at least for the day. A Gallup poll released last week said Americans' opinions of the Supreme Court have dropped to a new low. Why is that? Well, because Democrats now don't like it. See, Republicans, yeah, we, we, we've we been very critical. Um, I say we, I'm not a Republican. But, like, the right has been critical of the court for a long time because the court has been comprised of mainly progressive, liberal, judicial activist types, right? I mean, look at the 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 celebration of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right, with the notorious RBG and all this stuff. like, and again, like I understand that they're upset that the Republicans in the Senate were able to use the law, the rules, the norms, the process, they used all of that in order to get the seat filled with a Republican. I understand that the left is very upset about that. and the right would be very upset about that as well. But those were the rules. We all knew the rules. Like, again, these are the rules of the game. And the game was played well by the Republicans when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And the left tried to convince Ruth Bader Ginsburg to retire. Just like right now, they're trying to convince Breyer to retire. Because if he, if he doesn't, then uh, a, a Republican wins. And then the seat gets filled by another Republican appointment. Right, that's the play here. That's what people are worried about. They tried to convince RBG she wouldn't go. And then Trump got to make an appointment and they hate Trump for that, too. A reminder, we've got the Speaker of the House coming up at two o'clock. Tim Moore will join us. We'll talk about the governor's veto of the collusive settlements ban, among other things. So the Washington Post now reporting on a Gallup poll that was released that shows um, Americans' opinion of the Supreme Court have dropped to a new low, only 40% approving of the justices' job performance. And uh, I'm going to go out on a limb, just spitballing here, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to guess this might maybe have something to do with Democrats and the media, but I repeat myself, their uh, there, their campaign to delegitimize the court. I think it might be related, guys. I think when they got, uh, you know, they didn't get the seats that they wanted filled. They 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 wanted, uh, you know, the RBG seat, although it's not her seat. But when she passed away, they wanted it to be uh, filled with another progressive, another activist lawyer, because you know RBG was like they they celebrated. I mean, could you imagine somebody like for, like the 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 general counsel? from the right to life organization. Like, could you imagine if that person got nominated <laughs> for, for a Supreme court seat? Like that's what Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, right? The ACLU. Right. So um, they were very mad that that seat got filled by a conservative. And then they're very mad that they're not going to get their way on these rulings. Cause the idea is, uh, you know, we, we make up some law without actually having to go through a legislative process or we could sue and settle as a tactic, they've been doing this all over the country, doing it in state courts, which is actually related to what we're going to talk with the speaker about at two o'clock. The sue and settle tactic It's part of a larger strategy. When you cannot control the legislative branch, you advance your agenda through the courts. But that requires, you know, standing. It requires you to have lawyers and deep pockets to fund them. And it requires to have a couple of judges that'll see things your way. And. Uh, if you get that stuff lined up, then you can legislate. You can do things that affect the entire society writ large, right? Um, we're seeing it also with the, the school funding lawsuit, the Leandro case in North Carolina. It's a 30-year-old case. And you've got a judge, a single judge at a Union County, Democrat, who um, basically ordered the legislature, who's not even a party to the lawsuit, ordered the legislature to adopt the spending plan in the proposed budget bills that the Democrats have advanced that, that don't have a chance of passing the legislature. But this judge is now threatening to hold the legislature, the Republican leadership, I guess, to hold them in contempt if they don't fund schools at the level that Democrats demand. This is how screwed up the left has gotten using the courts to advance their agenda when they can't do it in a legislative fashion. Look at the debt uh, ceiling, the debt limit fight going on right now as well. Right? Like they're, they can't legislate. You have the votes. You have the majority. What are you doing? You've got the majority. You don't need a single Republican to do whatever it is that you want to do, but you're saying you can't do it. And it's the Republicans fault. It's not the Republicans fault. It's your fault. So, I suspect the campaign to delegitimize the court has had its effect. Democrats are also mad at losing the seat and they're mad at losing certain cases. The recent Texas abortion case being one of them. Uh, And so now all of a sudden it's, Oh, the court, it's just terrible. Oh, they have no confidence in it anymore. They have all the confidence in the world when they got to control it, but when they lost control of it, now they don't have confidence in it, which is by the way, what a lot of Republicans have felt, what a lot of people on the right have felt, because people on the right look at the court making up rules, making up law, divining, you know, what was the uh, on the gay marriage Look on gay marriage. It's a lowercase L libertarian. I don't think that the government should have been in the marriage business. I have believed that for years and years. And I argued with conservatives. I said, you know, need to have uh, the, the government get out of this, leave it to the churches and everybody is satisfied. But they didn't want to. They didn't want to go that route. They were like, "We have to have it's a state's interest. It's a compelling interest. We need to, uh, you know, promote marriage, and and the government needs to be doing that." And then they lost, and they lost because of Anthony Kennedy's ridiculous ruling, right? He swung the vote, and it was basically love wins. That's not a legal ruling. It's it's stupid. I'm sorry. It's like that's just dumb, and so I can I, I can agree with the outcome. Like I I. I think that you know we got to the place that I was advocating for, kind of. I mean, kind of. It was like that. There's because there was a discriminatory effect uh, of this policy, and uh, and so I'm okay with the discriminatory effect being uh, uh, removed. But the way you did it matters because now what? Now what happens? Now we're going to see polygamy. Of course we are, and no, that doesn't mean we're going to see. Um, Oh, what about marrying my dog and all that stuff? No, you got to be legal consenting adult. Like that's, I mean, those are the standards. I assume that's still the standard. But then you had people, I remember arguing with a friend years ago after the ruling came down and and they and I said, you know, how do you stop now uh, a polygamous couple from getting a marriage license from the state? And they said, well, that's different. I said, why? If the if the argument is love wins, then you're already, you're you're blowing up the definition of marriage. And so if you're blowing it up, and you're still giving the government sort of a, a stamp of approval on the matter, then you don't get to discriminate against what types of marriages occur inside of that uh, category. You don't get to, once you, once you, I think uh, Rick Santorum said this, you've already opened up the, uh, the word for redefinition. You don't now get to limit how it's being redefined because that would be right. That would be polyamorous I think is the term for that. I think, um, <laughs> Right? Wouldn't that be phobic something or other? Yeah, I mean, you would be you would be phobic of some kind. You hate or you're afraid or something of yeah, like people who have like multiple wives or husbands or whatever. So this so the right has been sort of of this mind for a very long time when the left was finding out things just like Roe v. Wade. Right? Terrible decision. Terrible decision. Those were decisions that should have been left to the state. But they inserted themselves, they got involved in it, and we've been fighting about it now for, what, 47 years or whatever. And so this is the problem when you act as the philosopher king on the Supreme Court just because you got the robe. And uh, you start divining all of these things, making up stuff, and people lose confidence because you lose your own credibility. And so now the left is now arriving at this point, but of course the left— What do they do? They're like, we need to pack the court. We need the answer to the left to, you know, people who are all about growing government. The answer is never, Hey, why don't we reduce the role of the, this larger government? Why don't we reduce that? And this way we don't all have to live under these rules that we don't like. Right. But rather than go that route, rather than go the limited government route, no, they go more government. They're like, no, the answer is we just need more of it with our people in charge. That's, That's the solution. (laughs) Which is not the solution. Just spoiler alert. Not the solution. Uh, All right. Up next, Speaker of the House... Representative Tim Moore from Cleveland County, he will join us. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the state uh, uh, court rule. Well, it's not a court rule. It's the governor's veto of a court ruling collusive settlement deal about the election in 2020 that caused a lot of anger amongst Republicans for precisely this reason, judicial activism. That's up next. Stick around.